Good morning. Today's reading is from Ephesians, um, chapter 3, verses 14 to 21. And you'll find that on page 1174 of your church Bible. A prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with the power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Right, let's do this then. Um, A leaving message is not a message to detail the future. A leaving message is one to open that future to God, to my successor, and supremely to all of you. If we can have the first of my slides. I want you to imagine standing on a beach, the waves breaking on the shore, and there realising there is so much more than we can currently see before us. There is life beneath the surface of the sea, life beyond the limits of the horizon, life beyond the clouds in the sky, life beyond the capacity of our eyes to observe. There is so much more than we can see taste, or imagine. And all of us can behave as if life on the beach is all we have. And it's true that there is much to appreciate in the present moment and this present place. But there is a great unknown to be discovered. The God of Scripture has placed us on the beach, but he offers us more than the beach's narrow confines. The sea rolls open before us and the horizon beckons to more than we, God's people, can currently imagine. And God invites us to experience more of him and as a consequence to engage with more of his plans than we can perceive. God genuinely invites us onto an open sea journey of faith to encounter indescribable lands of discipleship and gifts that we never knew existed. Today is very full of emotion for all of us. And Sue and I don't want to leave behind a church on the shoreline. I have glimpsed and can imagine a church in a parish in Aldridge whose future can, if you will, embrace the immeasurably more that God has for us. And so I say today, young, old and middle-aged, We are here. We are where we are right now. 
And God wants us to go there, to go forward. I long for you to be a church where every generation sails out together and in harmony, exploring and drawing on the gifts already present and being exercised to become an ocean-going kingdom people full of maturity together, as well as embracing those who still need to discover the love of God in Jesus. This longing is not intended to exhaust you as a church. It's not intended today to demand from you. God in Jesus has done all the hard work to save us, and that's the good news. Each one of us must still respond, however, to what God has done and receive all the good that the future holds. I knew uh, several weeks ago what scripture to preach on today. Ephesians happens to me to be my favourite New Testament letter. Then recently, someone asked uh, for this passage, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, to be read at their wedding, while another asked for it to be read at the end of a loved one's funeral. This happens to be the scripture that was read at our marriage, Sue and I together, and it beckoned us then as it beckons us all today to a new life together. Then my next slide. <clears throat> Let me read then, in the light of what I've said, the closing verses of Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> Paul's words are all the more remarkable here in that they were written from prison. From a place of confinement comes a glorious vision of a church community becoming liberated to discover, know, and live the immeasurably more of God and the Christian life. Ever since then, Christians who have been wrongly confined to prison have sought to use their time well and redemptively. When John Bunyan was imprisoned for 12 years in the 17th century, he gifted the world with Pilgrim's Progress. Imprisoned in the Second World War for his opposition to Hitler, Pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer produced his famous letters and papers from prison. And Paul determined that his imprisonment, his imprisonment would not restrict him. He evangelized in jail and wrote letters whilst incarcerated to the churches that he planted. His prison cell thereby became a center of mission. His prison cell birthed a new ministry of encouragement and disciple-making. His prison cell supremely became a prayer cell. And in this part of chapter 3, Paul prays a prayer intended literally to liberate, to set free the Ephesians. Verse 18 mentions becoming immersed in the love of Christ, which is wider, longer, higher, deeper, and goes further than we can imagine. I want to listen to you. I want you to listen to the story of a young man called Mark. Born in Whitechapel, I wanted everything in life 
and wasn't too concerned about how I got it. I became a criminal, gambled and took drugs. I ended up in a place of my own choosing, but now wishing I was dead. I have since found that many people don't believe or trust in God until something goes wrong, and then it's God's fault. I remember screaming to God to get me out of there. I went to a friend in Bristol who runs a Christian treatment center, and everything changed when I started to look wider, longer, higher, and deeper. I had been so focused on myself that I hadn't even realized that God was there. In Bristol, says Mark, I met a God bigger than I can imagine. My life changed. Now, there are not many in our congregation who are drug addicts, uh, criminals, and downright thieves. I've met a few in my time, but they're not here this morning. But Mark is a gift to any church. He's a gift because he extends our horizons. He demands that as he finds the living Christ, our lives have to change to embrace him. Every church and Christian community exists not for itself, but for the benefit of those who are strangers to the love of God in Christ. It's a reminder to us that our flourishing across this wonderful parish involves being concerned not only with our life together, but with reaching out to others out of an overflowing awareness of God's love. This overflowing from within us, from the love of God for the sake of others, stops churches from becoming confined spaces that lock God's people in to a mindset and a way of life that diminishes all that God wants for us. This is about a multidimensional grace received and lived. This is about being freed not from the literal prisons that you see on the screen, but from the experiences and fears which can liberate even the best of Christians. That's why Paul prayed as he did. And I'm going to read verses 14 to 17. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. God is constantly birthing a worldwide family which needs to be nurtured, not in skills, but in grace and love. As a Jew, Paul would normally have stood to pray, yet instead he kneels here. Solomon knelt when he dedicated the temple. Jesus knelt in Gethsemane, and now Paul kneels as he longs for the Ephesian church to receive immeasurably more than all that they had ever known. Kneeling represents a deeper longing to receive all that God wants to give us, his people. And I want to illustrate God's desire that we receive more of him by telling you about my mum. 
She died only months after I became rector here. I had a great mum. She loved me, nurtured me and encouraged me at every stage of life. Mum fed us all well. I think you would have called her a plain cook. Her roast dinners were legendary, but most of her cooking was not adventurous. Mum was giving us the very best that she could. Indeed, her very life was a gift to me. But over the years, I have experienced so much more variety in food that I knew up to my late teens. Spices, different meats, amazing vegetables, continental desserts, and a wonderful variety of coffee and wines and spirits. No criticism toward my mum is intended, but I have come to appreciate a much wider, richer variety of food than I could have possibly imagined 45 years ago. So back to Paul's prayer. As a leader of churches who believed in growing disciples into rich and multifaceted maturity as Christians, Paul prayed for a richer and wider experience of God and his purposes that they would be strengthened in their innermost selves by the Holy Spirit, verse 16. So let me say this. A brave face and a stiff upper lip is not enough when we're being wheeled on a hospital trolley or when we lose our security or a loved one or more. At moments like that, the real us needs the deeper strength from the Holy Spirit, <clears throat> helping us to know by faith that Christ dwells permanently in our hearts. That's the heart of verse 17. And here is the assurance that the love of Christ comes not as an occasional visitor into our lives, but as a permanent, glorious resident. And to that end, our Christian life is never to be for an hour on Sunday. Not just church meetings and activities, but being in the grip of God's love. 24-7 and everywhere. One commentator summarized these verses like this. We are to feel with heart, mind, and intuition the many dimensions of God's love and grace and to weave that love into the very fabric of life. And that is what I long for you as we move on. I long for you to flourish. I long for you to have a great new rector but I long for you to be deeply rooted in the love, the mercy, and the grace of God, which will strengthen you and enable you to be prepared for all that lies ahead. So here lies my opportunity to thank those of you who have allowed me as pastor to enter into the reality of your lives, to listen, care, and pray as you struggle with life's challenges. Those who haven't kept up brave faces but been honest about your longing to receive God's grace in a vast range of circumstances, you have been a gift. Here is my opportunity to thank those who've begun to recognise the importance of growing as disciples of Jesus and starting in turn to disciple of others. You have been a heartwarming gift. Here is my opportunity to thank those who minister here behind the scenes, doing jobs that no one sees except God himself. You have been a gift. 
Here is my opportunity to thank those older Christians who have let down the guard and admitted when they were dehydrated as Christian believers, asking for help and ministry to flourish again and to grow. You have been such a gift. Here is my opportunity to express my delight in working with the Alpha and Beta teams and in seeing those who have become Christians begin to grow and seek God's richest experience, life and love. You have all been a gift. Here is my opportunity to thank those who have shown us, Sue and I, the love of Jesus when we have struggled with life and ministry. Thank you for your love, your prayers and your encouragement. You have been living echoes of Paul's prayer. You too have been such a gift. So for all we have received and shared together in the love of God, to him be the glory. For the times we have all not fulfilled our potential as a parish, may God have mercy upon us and fill us afresh with his grace. And what Paul reminds us of here is that Jesus is calling us to a radically empowered life. Do not fear the Holy Spirit, but welcome him. A life that cannot be resourced from our natural skills and energies alone calls for a daily dependence upon God's own spirit. And Jesus, the Lord of the church, tells us through Paul that there is immeasurably more on offer. So much more than a religious life, a good life, a busy church life, and a moral life. There is more from him to offer to our families, friends, or neighborhoods that we can possibly honor on our own. Jesus offers us an immeasurably and more powerful and a more beautiful life. So as Sue and I step away from Aldridge, God calls you and us to a new future where more of him is available to you as you establish yourselves working together in readiness to receive a new rector. Receive that. Revel in it. Share it with one another across the generations. And bless this community and your other networks with all that God longs for them. Through your care, your evangelism, and your being a friendly neighborhood God sent. For the future, may God richly bless you all. Amen.